0: You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production.
1: He's in the building! Drink the moment. Drink it. I said, empty your mind. Poquettish and coy. Oh. Oh. What? Yeah, there's people that are dying. The wickedly talented. More than great. It was historic. Mm-hmm. Crack is a world. Oh, good for you. I have to apologize. One
2: of the hottest... Hello, and welcome back to The Reheat, a podcast that reexamines the hottest celebrity news and scandals of yesteryear and asks, how would we react to the same events if they transpired today? I'm your co-host, Sadafasan. And I'm Sarah Sahagian. This week, we'll be dissecting the complicated
0: legacy of one of the most innovative talk show hosts ever to grace the small screen, Rosie O'Donnell. Listeners may remember Rosie from the eponymous Rosie O'Donnell Show or from her two stints on The View. But before we discuss what made Rosie both famous and infamous, I must ask, Sadaf, when and how did you become aware of Rosie? Were you
2: a fan? Oh, I am a big, big, big Rosie fan. And I think I'm a lifelong Rosie fan. Okay, we go but way back. Her talk show, I used to watch all the time as a child. I was probably too young to do it. Although it was relatively G-rated. So, yeah. Yeah, which was kind of the beauty of it. Um, I still think she's one of the few most genuine talk show hosts that television has ever had. But I know you're going to get into it. Um, I loved her in A League of Their Own. I loved her in Harriet the Spy, The Flintstones, Sleepless in Seattle. I... I'm just in love with this woman in every way. Um, Yeah, I just think she's amazing. She was in so many
0: iconic movies and her show was arguably even more iconic. So let's start at the very beginning. Born on March 21st, 1962, Rosie O'Donnell grew up in Long Island. She is an Aries, just like me. From the outside, her family's life looked like the American dream. She was the third of five kids. Her father, Edward Joseph O'Donnell, had immigrated to America from Ireland. Stateside, he met and married Rosie's mother, Roseanne. The couple settled in Comac, Long Island, a small town that was home to many prosperous middle-class families. On the surface, Edward's life in the U.S. almost reads like propaganda for succeeding in the U.S. And in many <laughs> ways, Rosie was the prodigal daughter who proved Edward had made it. She became famous at Comac High School for her hilarious performances in school skits. Rosie was so beloved by her peers that she was voted homecoming queen, prom queen, senior class president, and obviously class glam. Wow. But all that popularity and laughter hit a darker reality for the young Rosie. Her mother died of breast cancer when she was just 10 years old and her father had sexually abused her as a child. The contrast between extraordinary success and personal heartache would follow Rosie for the rest of her life. Rosie went public with her story of sexual abuse in an interview with Ramin Satudeh for his 2019 book, The View, Ladies Who Punch. Rosie explained the abuse started, quote, very young and continued until the death of her mother. When her father was widowed... She theorizes he became preoccupied with raising five children as a single dad, and so the abuse tapered off. Said Rosie, quote, any child who is put in that position, especially by someone in the family, you feel completely powerless and stuck because the person you would tell is the person doing it. Oh, heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Let's discuss why Rosie may have chosen to come forward about one of the most traumatic stories in her life in someone else's book and when she was no longer a current superstar. So what do you think happened? Because she waited until Ladies Who Punch in 2019.
2: I feel like Rosie at this point in her career, if you even want to call it that, because it's been so protracted and stilted, is just not somebody who is really reliant on fame in that way, you know, mm-hmm. We're like, they have to do their own book, that's when they'll give the story, they mm-hmm. have to do their stories in certain ways. I just don't think she's ever been that kind of a person, which is part of the reason I love her so much, but, um... I think this probably just felt like the right time because it was a little bit of a retrospective. Um, And maybe it's something that in a sense she feels ready to talk about after all this time. And maybe it also felt like it would be less of a big deal if it was scrunched into this other book with all these other women's voices. What do you think, Sarah?
0: So maybe that might've happened at the time, I'm not sure. And Rosie, I think anytime you come forward with as, as many revelations as she did in Ladies Who Punch, because she came... Forward with revelations about yeah. a lot of things, including her career. It can be very stressful, and so she, when the book came out, actually said she regretted, you know, being that yeah. candid in the interview. Uh, but she didn't recant what she said. That's important. So it, what happened and what said was said was credible. But I, I do think, as a celebrity, it must be so hard to know what you want to reveal and yeah. what you don't, and then you. You don't really fully know exactly what it's going to do to you until it's out there. And then you hear everyone's responses. So I have sympathy for celebrities in that regard because, you know, they're rich and famous and privileged. But also, it's impossible to predict what the public reaction to things is going to be. And I don't know the kind of DMs she was getting or what this stirred up in her family. But she did
2: say that she wished she hadn't been that candid Yeah, I have to assume her family had some kind of a reaction or... For some reason, she just didn't think that it would be a big story, which again, I can understand because her star is not where it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's also somebody who's never struck me as an individual who's had much media training after all these years. <laughs> she has a habit of word vomiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and sometimes that's great. Sometimes it's not so great. But I will say this, um, learning this about her, I felt closer to her in a sense that mm-hmm. I'm assuming a lot of fans felt. Yeah, yeah. So there is that. I mean, it's also her right to share that or not share it. Um, Ramin Satude is also a charmer, I'm assuming. And I think perhaps she didn't predict how
0: big a hit that book would be. And it wasn't just that a lot of people read it. It was that a lot of journalists wrote about it too. Like it became part of the cultural conversation in a huge, huge way. Like they talked about it on Who Weekly, I remember. Um, So I think that, as a celebrity, it can be hard to know what will blow up and what yeah. won't. Um, and so that can affect your strategy and sometimes you might misfire. Uh, but I am glad Rosie told her story because it's important to have visibility yeah. and it is important to show all survivors that there is no shame in coming forward, but also that you can have a productive life, that this doesn't need to define you forever. Um, and, you you know, Rosie O'Donnell is iconic. So I, I think that she is... I, an important role model for people who experience childhood sexual abuse. I mean, she's not perfect, as we will discuss, um, but no one is. There you go. That's the disclaimer we need. <laughs> yes, no one is. No <laughs> one's perfect. Um, it is important to note that after Lady Who Punch came out, Rosie didn't just say she regretted sitting down with the author because she got a little bit more candid. She also felt like his take in the book was misogynistic because it focused on the negative. That was her perspective. I don't entirely agree with Rosie. Having read the book, I think it's fair. I don't think it's misogynistic. And I think that the book has a great appreciation for how the ladies of The View contributed to the national conversation. I grew up watching The View. These women were my role models. And whether I loved them or hated them, I thought it was so cool that they contained multitudes, that they could talk about The Bachelor in one breath, and in the next, they could have a ruckus debate about American politics. An interesting fact about Rosie is that she initially planned on becoming a lawyer, not a comedian. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) However, the class clown soon realized her true calling was as a performer and dropped out of Dickinson College after one year, transferring to the famous drama program at Boston University. Once again, Rosie dropped out, but this time it was to devote herself more fully to stand-up comedy. In her... Early 20s, she used reality TV to make a name for herself with Star Search. I don't know if anyone remembers that classic. Um, She won Star Search five weeks in a row. Here is a clip of her comedy act from that era.
1: I have a sister who got married this year, too, which is kind of exciting. It means she's no longer engaged. (laughs) Ever notice the word engaged has the word gag in the middle of it? Something to think about. It's not their fault engaged people, it's because you have to do stupid things for them. You gotta throw them a bridal shower. What a nifty way to spend a Sunday afternoon, huh, ladies? Yes, my aunt thought it would be nice to individually wrap all of the spices in the spice rack. For 45 minutes, we were going, ooh, paprika. Ooh, basil.
0: What do you think of Rosie's early work? Why do you think America went so gaga for her comedy? Do you detect the DNA of her future persona in her early work?
2: Yes, I think her whole style was exactly that. She was loud. She was very witty in a sarcastic way, but also a real way. I think that's the best word to describe Mm -hmm. Rosie in any sense, but she's also really quick-witted. She jokes in the way that I feel like I would joke with my friends, you know? (laughs) It just feels like you're sitting at a table with her, having a beer, and I just love that about her. Um, It's I I have to thank God and everything we can thank that she decided to be a performer instead of a lawyer. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. (laughs)
0: She'd be interesting in a
2: courtroom. Uh, After Star
0: Search, Rosie was flying high. She quickly landed roles on TV sitcoms and in movies and earned herself a reputation for playing standout supporting roles. Some of her more notable films include Sleepless in Seattle, where she played one of the all-time great movie best friends opposite Meg Ryan. The Flintstones. And my personal favorite, 1992's A League of Their Own, where Rosie met her longtime friend, Madonna. Yes. As successful as Rosie's acting career was, it was hard to balance with her growing family. In 1995, the 33-year-old actress adopted her first son, Parker, and suddenly the idea of traveling to film on locations seemed a lot less practical. So Rosie came up with a plan B, hosting her own talk show. The Rosie O'Donnell show debuted on NBC on June 10, 1996. While the talk show was distributed by Warner Brothers, Rosie's production company, Kid Row Productions, masterminded its style. From the beginning, Rosie was determined not to be like the tawdry Jerry Springer esque talk shows that were popular at the time. And while she was complimentary of mogul Oprah Winfrey, she didn't want to replicate her show either. Rather than helping her audience focus on personal growth as Oprah did, Rosie was more focused on creating a fun atmosphere. Rosie has gone on record saying the inspiration for her show was vintage chatty talk shows like Merv Griffin. Her show featured a bevy of celebrity guests sharing cute anecdotes, doing craft segments with Rosie herself, or helping her to spend coosh balls to the live studio audience, toys that unexpectedly became one of the show's signatures. Thanks to her sizable network of famous friends, high-wattage stars who showed up on the show made it appointment viewing for pop culture lovers. In her first episode alone, the guests included George Clooney, soap star Susan Lucci, and the Grammy winner Tony Braxton. As the show went on, she sat down with everyone from her idol Barbara Streisand to her favorite action star Tom Cruise. Here's a clip from the July second, nineteen ninety-six episode of The Rosie O'Donnell Show. It's one of Rosie's early episodes, and she's visibly excited to interview Cher.
1: I love Cher. All last night I couldn't sleep. The whole night I'm like singing a half-read, woo! (laughs) I love her, remember? When always used to show a belly button, my mom used to like have a fit over that, you know? My mother was like, look at that Cher's navel, you know? 1971, what was that? Amazing.
0: Do you think Rosie's fan status helped the show? Journalists are taught that a good interviewer is supposed to Not fun over their subjects. But was Rosie's show a case where breaking the rules actually worked?
2: Well, first of all, shout out to her love of Tom Cruise. (laughs) As you know, I am obsessed (laughs) with it. I loved that bit. It just fills my heart with joy. Here's the thing. I don't think she was straight up fawning kind of in the way that we generally view it. I think she was somebody Mm -hmm. who was a fan and she was a fan in a way that was relatable to the people who were watching at home. And that is so fun. Like even just listening to that clip, I fucking love Cher and I just love her reaction. And Mm -hmm. if there's something about it that makes it more relatable, and more delightful. And just knowing that the host is as excited as you. I mean, if you look at the Ellen show, 90% of the time Ellen has a guest on, she starts talking about things with them that nobody knows what they're talking about because yeah. they did something together when they had dinner the week before, just so Ellen can mm-hmm. show us she's friends with them. It's not relatable. and just pulls no. you right out. But Rosie had a way of making it feel like, oh my God, we're all in this together. And also she was just so genuine. So a lot of the time it felt like, okay, maybe she's a fan, but then the rest of the time it felt like she's talking to someone she ran into on the street. I just loved that entire style that I don't think anybody's had since then.
0: I loved watching Rosie's show because she made, she made it feel like it was okay to care this much about pop culture. So many people talk about pop culture, like it's low culture, like it's silly, like you're frivolous if you care about it. But she really celebrated being a fan, something that uh, at the time I kind of felt ashamed to be, but then she made me yes. proud to be a fan of things.
2: Hell yes. And I also feel like she never made the guests feel uncomfortable half the time they were in on it. Um, like I even just think of the Barbara Streisand episode, like there's so many moments, the Tom Hanks episodes, which of course I also love. There's just a natural ease that she had. I mean, this is somebody who I feel like really was born to do that job. Oh, for sure. As much fun as Rosie had behind her signature desk, her show
0: didn't shy away from more serious issues. Among other causes, Rosie used her platform to encourage viewers to register to vote and endorsed Al Gore for president in 2000. She also raised awareness about the need for more foster parents in America, eventually getting approved as a foster parent herself. And perhaps most memorably, she became a fierce advocate for gun control after the 1999 massacre at Columbine High School. Rosie famously took actor and National Rifle Association supporter Tom Selleck to task when he appeared on her show.
1: Assault weapons threaten the safety of other people. There's no reason, in my opinion, to have them. You want to have a hunting rifle? Great. You want to have a handgun? Do you
0: really think the Second Amendment is in the Constitution to guarantee hunting and target shooting? Do you really think that's
1: what the father I think the Second meant? Amendment is in the Constitution so that we can have muskets when uh, the British people come over in 1800. I don't yeah. think it's in the Constitution to have assault weapons in the year 2000. That
0: was delicious. She's very bright. You can see, actually, she probably would have made an excellent lawyer from the way she spars with them yeah. <laughs> She's a really talented debater. Rosie's signature mix of light and serious content proved a potent formula. The show won five awards for Outstanding Daytime Talk Show over its six-year run, with Rosie herself taking home multiple awards for Outstanding host.
2: I think she also tapped into a very specific audience, which is women and gay men. And I remember Mm -hmm. that a big thing was behind the scenes that she really made it a policy that they would hire as many women as they could and as many gay people as they could, which is amazing, especially at that time. And she didn't hide it. Um, And I just think that she connects with all of us in this really deep and genuine way. I think if this show was happening now, she would have even more love for it. And that makes me really happy because again, I really do feel like she just seems to be a best friend. I still feel that way. Even when Mm -hmm. I hear her voice, it just scratches something inside me where I'm like, oh, Rosie. It's funny because anytime I
0: watch the show, it it was almost like being around my mother because she cared about everything my mother cared about, right? Politics, gun control, uh, making sure that you had, you know, your Christmas decorations up, share, uh, barber Streisand, like that mix of things that is often trivialized because everything associated with women is, triv- yeah. is trivialized. But that ability to care about more than one thing, right? Like the, women are often shamed for caring about crafts or caring about cooking or caring about celebrity culture. But the truth is those things, A, are not frivolous. Yeah. They say a lot about our society, and B, you can contain multitudes. Like, yes. you can care about Al Gore getting elected in the year 2000 and also really be freaking excited to do some decoupage <laughs> when you get home. Yes. Like, you can do both. And Rosie did on TV. So she was such an important role model for me about what femininity could yeah. be. Like, the possibility for being a woman. She was also a single mom. Like that was something that was really cool for me because I've always wanted kids my entire life. But I used to think like, well, what happens if I don't meet someone? And then when I watched that show as a tween, I realized like, I can still have kids just because everybody I know who has kids is married doesn't mean you have to be because Rosie O'Donnell is killing it. And she is a single mom.
2: Oh, I love that. I feel like for me, she was a key part of why I decided to pursue culture journalism. And that's for all of the reasons you just said. She just made it seem really comforting. And like, there's a place for you and all of the weird shit that you love, even though I don't think it's actually all that weird, like you just said. And I also have a strong feeling that the portion of her listeners who are gun carriers is probably very small, right? That's true. I
0: don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how popular she was with, you know, Gun nuts. We have uh, a Probably guess. not very.
2: Once it got to the Trump era, I think we have a guess, but you will get to that.
0: <laughs> yeah. While Rosie wasn't afraid to talk about everything from crafts to national politics on her show, one subject Rosie avoided was her sexuality. As much as Rosie gushed about wanting Tom Cruise to, you know, live in her home and hang out with her. Don't we all. <laughs> don't we all. <laughs> if you listen carefully, she never said she wanted to sleep with him. What's interesting about her show was she was never officially in the closet. Rosie came out to the execs she was working with before the Rosie O'Donnell show premiered, the whole team understood that if she came out as gay in the homophobic climate of the mid-90s, it could have tanked the show before it even started. However, in Ladies Who Punch, the book explains Rosie did carve out some boundaries where her sexuality was concerned, making it clear that while she wouldn't mention dating women, she would never pretend to date men. So today writes, even if Rosie didn't say the word gay out loud, the Rosie O'Donnell show had the host's identity proudly on display. And it's true. The show featured numbers from Rosie's favorite Broadway musicals and plenty of interviews with gay icons, including Liza Minnelli, Barbara Streisand, Richard Simmons. Her bandleader, John McDaniel, the show's most iconic fixture aside from Rosie herself, wasn't out either, but he too was gay. Rosie's show was definitely queering the conventional talk show text. While Rosie's sexuality wasn't necessarily a secret, it was due to her identity as a fat person that she experienced the most blatant abuse. After telling her to shut up on her own show, husband Donnie Osmond fat-shamed Rosie while gusting on her talk show. After Donnie explained the entrance to his upcoming 4th of July concert would feature him hanging from a helicopter, Rosie lamented about the danger of such a stunt and volunteered to be his stunt double so her childhood pop idol wouldn't get hurt. Here's
1: Donnie's response. And plus, the helicopter can't handle that much weight, so I have to- oh, I think Donnie Osmond just insulted me. In that case, I'm going to hold kidding. up another album cover. <laughs> I can't deep. believe I'll I said I'll keep holding that. this up. You just made a oh, joke about. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Yo, you keep saying. Oh, look it, and this was my favorite. This is how you did that part in the middle of the show. My favorite part. I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we can do that at the end of the segment. I don't think so. You just told me that I was chubby on national TV. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mean it. You did. I did. You said, Late in the helicopter." It. Basically, call me a big old pig, Don. I. Didn't mean- In a very satisfying moment, she later
0: makes him apologize by singing his old and very saccharine hit, Puppy Love. In 1997, Scope did an infamous poll asking readers who they thought were the most unkissable celebrities. When Scope released the results, Rosie was one of the top choices. Rosie later hit back about the needless and very mean poll by endorsing Listerine on her show and telling her millions of (laughs) viewers to say nope to Scope. So... Anytime a woman larger than a sample size was on TV in the 90s, there was this fat shaming. And there's still a lot of fat shaming today. Do we think the fat shaming Rosie experienced would have been as intense, however, if it had happened today?
2: I don't think it would have been as intense today by any means. I think that kind of joke that he made is so 90s. People don't joke like mm-hmm. that anymore um, unless you're 10 years old or an idiot um, or both. But <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think that that would happen now. However, I don't, I still don't know um, how palatable she is to everybody. I, th- I wonder if she would run into the same mm-hmm. obstacles she did then because she was a lot of things that people struggle to accept, right? So she was, there was her size, there was her sexuality, there was mm-hmm. her sense of humor, um, which can be loud and brash. And there was also the fact that she was a female leader who was running her own show and had her own ship to run. So I think she aggravated a lot of people. And to be honest, I mm-hmm. think she still does, which makes me sad because I think it's one of the biggest reasons she's not out there now like she used to be. And I miss her. So that pains me. What do you think, Sarah? So I I think that, I mean, fat shaming, it's still
0: out of control, but it was really out of control in the 90s. And yeah. what, what I really liked about the show is while there were various attempts for her to lose weight that that she did incorporate into the series um she never really seemed like she was ashamed of herself like she was like she never yeah. really felt like she was appalled at her weight or like she felt like it was something that defined her and that was so refreshing it was kind of like a prototype for body positivity like there were yeah. attempts to lose weight but she would almost I mean, she would make light of the need to lose weight too, because no, there is no need to lose weight, but the need yeah. other people tried to convince her existed. And I think when I watched Oprah, and I love Oprah, but in this oh, time period, Oprah. it really pushed diet culture like in, yeah, a, in, a, in a really time. big way.
2: In, in fact, I would say she's very She's a key part of the way that whole movement started and blew up. Yeah,
0: it really pushed diet culture. Um, And and I understand she internalized fat phobia because she was such a victim of it. And that's, you know, I I have a lot of empathy for why Oprah felt the need to lose weight and to do it very publicly and to encourage others to do so. Like, I I mean, I still think it was a net negative, but I understand why it happened. But what was so great was when you turned on Rosie you saw somebody who when she ate seemed joyful, uh really seemed comfortable in her own skin and that was was pretty empowering for a tween like me where even in your teen magazines they were telling you like how to lose weight. Like which is ridiculous that we ever told children how to diet. Like that's so messed up. Um so she was a refuge, I think, from that
2: kind of diet culture. I like that word for that. I also feel like she taught me how to sort of snap back at it. Like the way that she quickly bites back mm-hmm. at Donnie after he makes that joke is just perfection. And she did that a lot of the time. She still does that when people um, take a jab at her. And oh my God, I loved that. And I and I do think that, that I really absorbed that at that time. She really is just, she was really special in that way for sure. You're right. It really didn't face her in a big way. And it was nice to see that, especially after seeing Oprah wheel out a wagon of meat. Yeah. <laughs> to symbolize the the fat she had lost. Yeah. yeah it, it was a I'm Never gonna forget that. Yeah.
0: And yes, there were moments where she promoted diet culture. I don't want to say she was completely innocent of that, but for its time, it was a very progressive yeah. outlook on body image and embracing yourself for its time. It really was. Yeah. So, during the show's six-year run, Rosie was only eclipsed by Oprah when it came to influential women on daytime TV. She also earned herself a flattering nickname, the Queen of Nice, as well as her own magazine in the form of Rosie's McCall, to which my family most definitely subscribed. I love that. (laughs) But the role took its toll. Now a mom of three, in 2001, Rosie told ABC News that the Columbine massacre had made her depressed. She worried for the safety of her children and all children and turned to antidepressants for support. In April 2001, she also survived a serious staph infection that involved hospitalization and a two-week absence from her show. It was 9 11 that inspired the 39 year old Rosie to publicly come out of the closet. In a 2020 episode of Red Table Talk, The Estefans, Rosie described how she worked coming out into an act at New York's Caroline's Comedy Club. She said, quote, I'm gay. Listen, 9 11 happened. I'm gay. I'm telling you all I'm gay in case the buildings blow up again. I'm so, so gay, you know? Surprisingly, as Alex Kaczynski wrote of the announcement in the New York Times, Quote, it was the first time Ms. O'Donnell, one of the country's most popular entertainers, had spoken in plain language about her sexuality in a public forum. Yet, the news hardly caused a stir, and that in and of itself is eyebrow-raising. Given that Ellen's coming out had tanked her show's ratings just a few years before, and anti-gay marriage George Bush was now in the White House, it was surprising that Rosie's coming out didn't cause a huge controversy. So why do you think Rosie's decision to come out was kind of a nothing burger event? How is this different from Ellen coming out in her personal life and on her sitcom?
2: i got to say, it's a tough one. I'm not totally sure. Um, Especially because I think they were on the same level in a lot of ways as far Mm -hmm. as comedy goes and as far as what was popular on TV at the time goes. Um, But I wonder if, again, it had to do with the fact that she was already considered somebody who um, was sort of put in this, I hate to say it, but a bit of a sexless category mm. where people didn't even look at her in that way because of how she was shaped, what her comedy style was, all those things. And again, it, it pains me to even say that we don't talk about people like that now. I don't think we treat them quite the same way, which is good. But I do wonder if that was part of it, Um What do you think? It's hard to get inside of the mind of, like, an early 2000s
0: homophobe. Like, I don't (laughs) know exactly why they were offended by some gay (laughs) icons and not others. (laughs) Like, it's hard to know. Um, Yeah. But I I do think you made some really excellent points. Like, she was so desexualized. And then the show, I mean, the way it was designed, it never talked about her sexuality, um, but it also didn't have to, like that didn't feel like an absence. It was talking about other things that she loved. So it still felt authentic to her. In many ways, a lot of her values were very recognizable to heteronormative people. Like she adopted a brood of kids. She loved crafts, right? Like she loved Martha Stewart. So yeah, like, I think that, you know, we talk about the model minority a lot and I'm not saying that Rosie O'Donnell was, was, Courting more conservative people who wanted her to be a model minority, but the image she had did kind of fit that model yeah. minority for a gay person. I, I think that I think that's just who she is. I think she loves um, Tom Cruise and decoupage. I really do believe that that's authentic. <laughs> but it is more relatable if you are a homophobic <laughs> stay-at-home mom in in a red state than say Ellen is, who you know, Ellen is a, a woman dating in L.A. Yeah. who doesn't have kids and doesn't like crafts
2: as far as we know. But yeah, I mean, I think also, though, what's interesting and a little bit contrary to your point, though, I do agree with that is that her talk show was also incredibly campy. Mm -hmm. So she really did, she was on that line. (laughs) She was right on that line. Yeah, I mean, it was very campy and yet not sexual, right? Like it was the parts of gay
0: culture that are like, you know, like Broadway and lots of gay icons were on um, because it it was like, in some ways, as I said earlier, a, a very queer text, but it was also like, Queer in an asexual way.
2: Perfectly put, yeah. I must add one thing though on the Tom Cruise subject, because this is one of my favorite things that she's ever said. So when she did come out, there was a lot of blowback from people who were like, but we thought you loved Tom Cruise. What about Tom Cruise? Mm -hmm. And so she told one paper, I said I wanted him to mow my lawn and bring me lemonade. I never said I wanted to blow him. I just need that out there on the show, <laughs> and that is perfect. Delicious. She didn't just lie.
0: Perfect. Like if you listen to her words, there is everybody was projecting onto that. Anybody who wanted her to be straight was projecting some sort of a sexual fantasy. She was saying she wanted him to be her gardener.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's very different. I want him to be my gardener, but in a very different way, right? Who like doesn't? this is a
0: whole other thing. I think he'd really commit to being a
2: gardener. I think he would too, or he would get one of his little Scientologist people to do it for him.
0: Yeah, he'd make sure your lawn was mowed like that. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So I think it's time for a short break. When we come back, we'll discuss the end of the Rosie O'Donnell show and the Talk Maven's second and third acts on The View. The last episode of The Rosie O'Donnell Show aired in June of 2002. It was Rosie's choice to walk away. Her show, which attracted around 2.5 million viewers, was, if anything, growing in popularity. Rosie later explained, quote, six seasons was all I had in me. A millionaire who was set for life, Rosie moved to Florida and enjoyed herself after handing the reins of her show over to comedian Caroline Ray, who only lasted a single season, although I did quite appreciate her. But when the opportunity to become a co-host on ABC's The View came up in 2006, Rosie couldn't resist. According to Ladies Who Punch, Rosie accepted the gig because of the show's creator and its most venerated host, Barbara Walters. Rosie explained, I loved her and I wanted to work with her. The news of Rosie coming to The View was not received with overwhelming positivity by the show's cast and crew. During her tenure on the Rosie O'Donnell show, Rosie had a reputation for being a difficult boss. While she created a free daycare for staff at the studio and did, you know, nice things like that, she also had a reputation for being demanding and temperamental when things weren't working out the way she wanted. The purported temper hadn't gone away by the time Rosie arrived for hot topics on The View. Rosie agreed to a single-year contract to serve as the moderator of a panel of co-hosts that included Barbara Walters, Joy Behar, Sherry Shepard, and Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Rosie immediately set about making the show, which had become famous as a more serious daytime talk show, into something more akin to The Rosie O'Donnell Show. Rosie didn't shy away from the raucous political debates about the war in Iraq that went down during the show's famous Hot Topic segment, but she did also insist on adding segments that felt silly to her co-hosts. She insisted on more audience giveaways. The Broadway-loving Rosie also pressured the other ladies of view into dance numbers that they really weren't into. If anyone questioned her judgment, Rosie would invoke the trove of Emmys that she had, you know, stockpiled at home. When she joined The View, Rosie immediately made enemies of Bill Getty, the show's longtime producer, who is known as the, well, was known as The Viewmaster, whom Rosie has referred to as, quote, a misogynist alpha male who thought he was better than the women. While Rosie was good for The View's ratings, she made a strategic error by alienating the show's grand Barbara, who disliked the loud music Rosie played in her dressing room and would often arrive at her door insisting she turn it down. Rosie also famously mocked Donald Trump and jabbed that he couldn't sue her for talking smack about him because he was bankrupt. Trump subsequently went on over 20 shows to attack the talk show queen, referring to Rosie as fat little Rosie and, quote, a degenerate. Trump also said of his feud with Rosie, quote, I'm not running for office. I don't have to be politically correct. So, I mean, if only he had kept that stance that he wasn't running for office. Yeah. And a move that didn't age well at all. Barbara considered Donald Trump a friend and never condemned his actions, a decision that made Rosie furious.
2: For view historians, I think they especially will follow this. I first of all I'm a big fan of Barbara Walters, but you can only be a fan of hers in a complicated way. Yeah. <laughs> because her legacy is complicated, and I think it really takes a left turn with the view. She was a little domineering and things had to go her way a lot of the time. And she was very old-fashioned in a lot of ways. And I can see very clearly how these two would have butted heads. Um It makes me sad, though, because I think Rosie was a great mix to the group, but she was really, like, she would say shit all the time and stuff. Her foot in it, and Barbara was somebody who was much cleaner and very much on the classy quote unquote side of things, right? Like, she wouldn't get messy about it. And we've seen this since, like, even whoopies kind of landed in that shit a little bit. So, a lot of them have, and I think it's unfortunate because I also think it's fun seeing the mess, and I don't think Barbara likes that, but Barbara also needs to get with it a little bit. I mean did need to get with it.
0: Yeah, she has since retired. Um, And Rosie also said inappropriate things that got back to Barbara about how she felt Barbara was too old to be on the show. So she said ageist things. Like, this was a rivalry where both people did things that they, I mean, should regret now. I don't know if Barbara regrets what she said to Rosie, but she she should. Following the fight with Donald Trump, Rosie was emotionally frayed, and she picked a fight with Barbara backstage. She declared Barbara was a bad mother, referring to Barbara's adult daughter. She said, quote, no wonder Jackie can't stand you. And this is a comment that she has gone on record saying she now regrets. Oh, God. Yeah, it, like that's below the belt. That's a horrible yeah. thing to say. She knows it wasn't her finest moment. Horrified, Barbara started hatching a plot to get rid of Rosie, going as far as to call parent company Disney CEO Bob Iger. And Ladies Who Punch, which is a book that I learned a lot, for this episode from and I highly recommend, has a great summary of these events that get really complicated. Uh, So if you want to learn more, please refer to that book. I highly recommend it. So the staff had also had enough of Rosie's demands and insults at this time, and they didn't like her habit of demanding the near impossible, like, for example, uh, you know, a Power Rangers outfit for a child guest that she would ask for (laughs) shortly before taping. She (laughs) also threatened to fire people she felt weren't on her side, which is not okay. That's toxic boss behavior.
2: Yeah.
0: Ultimately, a group of, employees, I mean, did file this HR complaint against her for her abusive behavior. But instead of firing Rosie in a dramatic fashion, ABC resolved the conflict by telling Rosie they couldn't afford the $5 million salary she'd requested in order to do a second season. And so in the spring of 2007, The View fans found out that Rosie wouldn't be returning for a second season. But the drama didn't end there. The tail end of that season is when things went from dysfunctional to apocalyptic. (laughs) (sighs) During her time in The View, Rosie made a conscious effort to get close with Elizabeth Hasselbeck. She told producers, quote, I'll make her better, I'll be her friend. On paper, the two women didn't have much in common. Sure, they were both moms and high-earning white women on TV, but the similarities stopped there. While Rosie was a staunchly pro-choice Democrat, Elizabeth was The View's resident Republican, married to her college sweetheart, NFL quarterback, Tim Hasselbeck, and vocally... Christian, and anti-choice, it was hard to get more traditionally heteronormative than Elizabeth. Rosie, who now admits she had a crush on Elizabeth, although she never acted on it, told the Hot Takes and Deep Dives podcast in 2021 that, quote, I tried no matter what to love her. I took her kids to Sesame Street, and I took her to her first Broadway show. And you know, I don't really know what she's about.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, that's sad. I mean, anybody could have told these two wasn't going to work out, like, for God's sake.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, you can be civil, but you don't need to be best friends. They were obviously never going to to be best friends. Well, at first, Rosie and Elizabeth seemed to respect each other's differing perspectives. Rosie's comments on the war in Iraq ultimately caused one of the most infamous feuds in daytime TV. On a May 17th episode of The View, Rosie asked the following question during Hot Topics. I just want to say something. 655,000 Iraqi civilians are dead. Who are the terrorists? When Elizabeth asked, wait, who are you calling terrorists now, Americans, Rosie responded, I'm saying if you were in Iraq and the other country, the United States, the richest in the world, invaded your country and killed 655,000 of your citizens, what would you call us? In reaction, practically every conservative media pundit in the country condemned what they saw as anti-American incendiary comments from Rosie. So, what do you think of Rosie's comments about American soldiers in Iraq? Knowing what we know now, would this be as controversial a statement today?
2: Yes. <laughs> Nothing has changed. Um, that was just a 10 out of 10. I mean, go Rosie. Mm-hmm. I just absolutely. And I remember when this happened, and it still f- fills me with such anger because she was so right on, but she mm-hmm. was also shockingly, because it wasn't really that long ago, I mean, she was one of very few people to actually stand up and say something like this. Yeah. And the fact that the same rhetoric is still going on in the States and people still take such offense to comments like this is ludicrous to me. Grow up, frankly. Mm-hmm. And But of course, Elizabeth responded that way. That's her yeah. whole thing, right? Like, that's why she's there. Um. But I will forever love Rosie for saying what she said. Beautiful.
0: Absolutely. I mean... Rosie's commentary, I mean, sometimes it was out to lunch, but when it came to the war in Iraq, it was spot on. And she isn't ever saying that the U.S. troops are, are terrorists. She's saying it's logical that the people of Iraq wouldn't watch them in their country because they are killing people. And that is a fact, right? Like, why would you want troops in your country, if they do not present as on your side and are, you know, killing your children um, intentionally or not. In some cases, intentionally. In some cases, maybe not. I mean, it's it's like, listen, I understand that not every troop who went to Iraq understood what was happening or why they were going. And many have since said that they were lied to, um, that they regret their involvement, and that it was traumatic to To serve there. So I you know, it it is complicated in that regard, but she's absolutely right that this was an unjust war, and it was a war that killed countless innocent Iraqis and destabilized things in Iraq. So I'm glad that she said that. But Elizabeth, obviously, like, it's not even just that she's conservative. It's that she's incapable of understanding nuance. Like, if you listen to her comments, she just doesn't get certain things, which is why I think she was so offended and why so many conservative stations were were offended. Like they yeah. were, I don't even think they were
2: intentionally misunderstanding Rosie. I think they just didn't understand her. I agree, but, I, but I'm going to say, I feel like she wasn't directly saying that The American soldiers were terrorists. At least, in my Mm -hmm. opinion, I think she said it in a really perfect way, where she could say that's not quite what her implication is, but I think it was, and I'm glad that it was because it's correct. It's right on the money. Yeah, many many were. Right. Yeah, if the way that Americans even define terrorism, that's exactly what it is. So yeah, but at the same time. That's still a disease that's carrying on. So white men who decide to bomb mosques, we don't call them terrorists still in Western media, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's the exact same problem. Nothing has changed. And if somebody else said this now, it would still be a shit show. That makes me sad. But again, go Rosie, because she said this at a time when it was even tougher to get away with it. And she just didn't give a shit. We need more people like that.
0: Rosie, like, the most important value she has is speaking her truth, yeah. um, and I, I really respect that. So on May 23rd, Rosie and Elizabeth relitigated their initial debate. Rosie was hurt when her friend Elizabeth didn't defend her after the conservative media pounced. For her part, Elizabeth really did seem to disagree with Rosie's comments and to wonder whether Rosie actually thought of your average American soldier as a terrorist. Um and Rosie seemed to be offended that Elizabeth had interpreted her, her statements to mean that, which is why I personally No, think I, that I that, see
2: what you're saying, yeah.
0: Yeah, that she didn't mean that they were terrorists, but that she understood why if you're an innocent Iraqi civilian, you would perceive these troops as terrorists yeah. and their actions as the yeah. actions of terrorists. Here's a clip from their infamous shouting match. I am certainly so not you. going to be the person for you to explain your thoughts there. Your
1: thoughts. Defend your own insinuations. I defend my and thoughts. Defend your own thoughts. Right, hey, but every time I defend them, Elizabeth, it's poor little Elizabeth that I'm picking on. You know what? Poor little Elizabeth is not poor little Elizabeth. That's okay? right. That's why I'm not going to fight with you anymore nuts. because it's absurd. So for three weeks, you could say all the Republican crap you want. You I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to. I'm not going to much do much easier it. It's easier to fight someone like Donald Trump, isn't it? Because he's obnoxious. I've never fought him. He fought me. I told a fact about him. How he didn't like all this all conversation. Anyway, I was in the middle of this I conversation. Gave you, an opportunity you don't give me anything. You don't have to give me asked you a question I asked you a question We wouldn't even answer
2: it you didn't answer your own question legendary
0: so good yeah like (laughs) I remember watching that live (laughs) Um, I feel
2: like yeah I feel like I could have repeated that word for word that was amazing
0: yeah it it was a surreal experience to watch live like it uh, it was really discombobulating um as a viewer because (laughs) the show like you know Joy Behar and Sherry just leave at one point. Um, Yeah. Like it just goes so off the rails, Uh, but in a way that the producers clearly like because they could have intervened or gone to commercial and they didn't. So it was, it was good for ratings. The incident was so intense that producers actually feared it might have impacted pregnant Elizabeth's fetus. Uh, And another (laughs) fact is like one of the reasons why their relationship was strained is Rosie had kind of outed Elizabeth's pregnancy on camera on a previous episode, which is something you shouldn't do. But like, still, I'm not trying to make. I'm not an Elizabeth apologist here. But that is like (laughs) Um, context. That day, Rosie's assistant allegedly defaced the posters of Elizabeth in the studio. (laughs) Um, Rosie didn't return to finish the season. May 23rd was her last day on The View. Well, it was until 2014. With Barbaras having retired and Elizabeth moving on, Rosie agreed to return to the show, nail-helmed by Oscar-winning moderator Whoopi Goldberg.
2: Fellow mess. (laughs) Not a great decision,
0: in my opinion.
2: We love her too. We love her too. But like, my God, what a pair. So I'm going to put it to you.
0: Was Rosie's decision to return to the view? Obviously a bad idea from the start. Yes. Should this TV veteran have known better or was her impulse yes. to return to the scene of her greatest TV debacle somehow understandable? Yes.
2: <laughs> Just, <laughs> Just all <laughs> That's not all counts. What a disastrous choice. However, I can understand her wanting to set the record straight, clean up her act, take it all back, reclaim, blah, 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 blah. And listen, I mean, it, the ground was set for her to be there with no Barbara and no Elizabeth. Um, It makes sense. I can see why it seemed like a good idea to her. I also feel like this is a good example of a time where she did want to stay in the spotlight. I don't think she was ready to leave it just yet and maybe got a little dose of that didn't like it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I understand if you failed very publicly and you are a high achiever like Rosie wanting to return to the scene and try to redeem yourself. Like, wanting that redemption arc. I get it. I also just think, like, try to do it in a different way. (laughs) Try, yeah, like join the talk maybe
2: oh, I don't know about that <laughs> I, well, not, well okay, I not mean the but talk. you're right because I think this has been an issue throughout her career especially in the second half of it where she gets maligned so often and it makes mm-hmm. me really mad mm-hmm. and you always see it coming and she still kind of incites it sometimes yeah. But I think what's interesting is this is is a moment where we can actually see that it bothered her. A lot of the time, she just seems like it rolls right off her, which I love too. But here she is just kind of being a human and being like, oh, fuck. Like, it would be nice to just do that again because that's not who I see myself as. And that is one of, that is probably the most iconic view moment, right? And she was part of it. So I get it.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I think of when I think of that show because it's the maybe purest incarnation of what the show promised, which was, like, really opinionated people having really hardcore debates,
2: right? Like, it was... Just a lot of bitchery. Yeah, I love it. Poor little Elizabeth.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and but Rosie's right there. Like, she has every right to be angry, right? Like, that's the thing. It's, we created a society that made her angry and then we blame her for being angry because people would, you know, sort of then malign her for shouting at people at The View. And like, obviously you shouldn't shout at your colleagues, but everyone has a breaking point. And if
2: you, how much discrimination are you expected to just grin and bear? 100%, that was so perfectly put. And I think what's interesting about that moment too and that whole period is everything was kind of working against her to kind of heat up and bubble into this moment. So, you know, I mean- it was going to happen. Something like this was going to happen. Yeah. And they didn't protect her. She
0: wasn't supportive. No. right? And that's yeah. why it became toxic. Um, or a, a part of the reason it became toxic. I don't want to say that she wasn't involved in the toxicity. I don't want to completely let her off the hook, but like, you know, Barbara from the beginning made it clear she wasn't going to defend Rosie. So to promote her return to The View, Rosie did an interview with Variety. In it, she talked about how she changed in the intervening years, having survived a major health issue and remarried to Michelle Browns, with whom she shared a daughter. She said, quote, I don't think it's going to affect me the way it did before. She also says but who knows? Let's see how controversial it becomes. Um, and it did become controversial. Yeah. I love her casual attitudes. Like, okay, let's see. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's wait and see. Um, yeah. So Rosie's second stint on The View proved a little calmer than the first. <laughs> Executive <laughs> producer Bill Getty had been replaced by Bill Wolf, an alumnus of The Rachel Maddow Show, who openly admitted to never having watched an entire episode of The View before joining the team, oh, which like, also... How did he get hired? Like this just shows you there is so little respect for daytime TV that is marketed to women that they could hire somebody who like openly is like I've never seen this show
2: really, and a man too. But also, I gotta say, I don't know that I believe he never watched an episode. You really can't, especially in that era, you couldn't escape yeah. the view. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, yeah, that's definitely like, this is still the era where quote unquote smart people used to say things like, I don't watch TV. My mom yeah. was once at a dinner party with a law professor who, when someone mentioned Oprah, said, Who's Oprah? Which, like, obviously they knew who Oprah was. They just were performing ignorance to make it seem like I'm so smart. I don't know who Oprah is. And it's like, it was 1998. You knew who Oprah was.
2: That's grotesque. Everybody knew who Oprah was. That's, that makes me angry, but there you go. Ugh. So, the goal
0: was to make the show more explicitly political under Wolf's time there, but that provided ample opportunity for Rosie to clash with the panel. Things not particularly heated with Whoopi, whom Rosie criticized for defending Roman Polanski, who is a child rapist. Rosie also felt censored when Whoopi refused to discuss the accusations against Bill Cosby. So, like, there is some rape apologism that is very triggering for most people, especially a survivor of childhood sexual abuse like Rosie. Um, I can see why she would be very passionate about these things. Yeah. In one particularly tense interaction, Whoopi and Rosie butted heads in a debate about whether America is a racist country. So, Rosie O'Donnell, panelist rosie perez she was on the show for a time um but has since blessed us by returning to acting which you know love 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 she was really good on the view but like i i really need her in in my movies and tv shows um there was also um guest panelist host laverne cox she was in this debate and the other person in this debate was then co-host, Nicole Wallace, who was a Republican strategist for John McCain. Yeah. Um, and Nicole and Whoopi in this debate were arguing that fundamentally, America wasn't a racist country, while Rosie, Laverne Cox, and Rosie Perez were all arguing sensibly that it is a racist country. So so here's a clip of, of this debate, which, I mean, it... It, it's hard to watch. Yeah. Like, it gets uncomfortable. Is it ridiculousness
1: or is it racist? It's, it's racist see, and I don't stupid. It's, I don't, both. it's see, both. both. I, I don't I see, see, I just just see it as stupid. But, but, I just see it as stupid. But do stupid. you, do you, think, do you all think state. that we live in
0: a racist country? Without a yeah. doubt. Absolutely. Okay, see, I think a country that elects an African-American president twice, I don't think every and American is racist. And a that doesn't allow to do one thing. And I think... The Congress is controlled by Democrats.
1: The controlled by Democrats. Wait, wait. Make that point again, because well, it's very important listen, that people I mean, remember who, the, who was in the Congress. Well, but the American people elect. also, that we elected. Right. Democrats are racist, you too. Know? It's Look, our cultural you know history. What? Listen, you are a white lady telling me what is racist to you, I'm which is I'm a gay American who's been told what great. homophobia and no, hatred but looks like. It's like not the same. I have a black kid I raised, Whoopi. I, I have a kid in my house. That is not... The you don't have to be black thing. to know what racism yes, is yes you do no you don't yes you do baby no, yes no. you do let I, me ex- i think I think, okay. that, I think that there's so many white folks out there who've been who've been protesting who, who understand yes. who see yes. and understand which is why i say what, it's not racism exactly. but not, america is not just a racist country
0: right. it's very uncomfortable because in terms of substantive arguments i i agree that Rosie Perez, Rosie O'Donnell, and Laverne Cox are obviously correct. But there is also something uh, yeah. gross about a white woman screaming at a Black woman that she doesn't understand racism, right? So, like, while Rosie, I think, wins the content of the debate, the tone, in this, the tone of the debate would be absolutely correct to say to her, like, you're a white woman lecturing me, like, this is so patronizing. She doesn't seem to be sensitive to her colleagues, right? Mm. Like, she probably should have thought is it my place to lecture a colleague who is Black about racism? Yeah. I actually do think that while I love Rosie, she is kind of the common denominator here.
2: What do you think? I think that she is genuinely feeling it. I mean, my God, you can hear it. And I love that about her, that she gets so enthusiastic. She puts her whole body into it. So does Whoopi. But again, you got to think it through a little bit and look at who's at the table with you and hear everybody... that conversation, listen, like, that's a lot of voices at once. yeah. Um, and it's a lot of different opinions at once. And I don't think that's something Rosie really thinks through. She's usually correct
0: about the message, yeah. but often wrong about the way she goes about arguing for her point yeah. and just how aggressive she is with her colleagues. that she has to
2: see every day, so it's not strategic. Yeah. Like, I think she just needed to chill a little. <laughs> think that's it look around you take it easy you're on a talk show it's fine this is not a courtroom but I mean I could say that to all the women there and also Whoopi is also somebody who really likes to fan the flames and still does that when it does not need to be done am I entertained though absolutely
0: you have to be a little bit diplomatic when you're fighting with your co-hosts like you share a show
2: (laughs) yes exactly
0: So Rosie's second try at The View lasted only five months. In 2015, the stress of her second divorce led to what Rosie said was her decision to leave The View mid-season to focus on her family. But the desire to escape what she felt was a toxic workplace was obviously part of the decision. Since leaving The View, Rosie has said of Goldberg, quote, Whoopi Goldberg was as mean as anyone has ever been to me on television personally while I was sitting there. Worse than Fox News, the worst experience I've ever had on live television was interacting with her. God. Yeah. I mean, it feels a bit hyperbolic. Yeah. For her part, Whoopi Goldberg addressed the issues with Rosie in a 2021 interview with Howard Stern saying, quote, There will always be folks that like or don't like or want to be or don't want to be. I can't really help them with that and I can just be me. I like Rosie. I've always liked Rosie. I don't have any problem with Rosie. So, I mean, that's much more diplomatic.
2: Well, I mean, isn't that the exact thing that Rosie lacks? And again, sometimes that Whoopi doesn't have either. I just wish that, again, context that Rosie had thought about the optics of what she said. Mm -hmm. To say that this woman is worse than Fox News. What are you then saying about Fox News? Yeah.
0: I mean, she has said that she still admires her, but then, like, she says that. And you're like, okay, I mean... You're not being diplomatic if you say you still admire someone, but then you call them worse than Fox News. Like, you can't say both things. Yeah. So what is Rosie's legacy as a talk show host? Between the brilliance of the Rosie O'Donnell show and the messiness of her time on The View, what do we make of Rosie's contributions to daytime TV?
2: Oh my God, they're still everything. They're everything. And I wish we could still have something like that now. I think genuinely that she has what had one of the most iconic legendary talk shows that we've ever had in our time. I think she was different. I think she still stands out and nobody's really followed her path since. Nobody can replace her. And that's because she was so genuine. She was so real. Many people cannot replicate that now. It just doesn't Mm -hmm. exist. Andy Cohen can try, but it's never going to happen. Yep. (laughs) Well said. (laughs) What do you think, Sarah? I mean, I
0: think that She has a lot of different legacies. I don't think it's one single legacy. I think the Rosie O'Donnell show has its own legacy, which, I mean, taught many millennials like us that it's admirable to love pop culture. It's admirable to be a fan, that fandom can make you a better person. It can teach you great values. It can spread joy and happiness. And that you can be a fan of Mary Tyler Moore or you can be a fan of Celine Dion and also care about gun control and also want people to register to vote and, you know, change the world. And there's the other side. <laughs> then there's the other side. There, You know, there's the view where we, seem, we see that people are complicated, right? Yes. And I do think that she'd experienced so much discrimination. Like, I, I don't want to make the facile comparison between Rosie and, and Ellen and just be like, because they're both talk show hosts and they're both mm. gay women that like, and they're both arguably not great bosses, that they're that they're similar case, yeah. cases. Um, because I do think that in Rosie's case, some of the toxicity was an angry reaction, but still a somewhat understandable reaction to horrifying discrimination that she was experiencing in her workplace.
2: Yeah. I'm completely with you. I will always choose to remember that talk show and to remember all of the rules that she's done because she's really amazing. And okay, so she puts her foot in her mouth a lot. So do Mm -hmm. a lot of other people, okay? Like it happens. She's not perfect, but um, she makes very good TV. She makes excellent
0: TV. And there are plenty of men who habitually said worse things and are still on TV and haven't experienced nearly as much blowback for their gaffes. Yeah. So today, Rosie is enjoying something of a renaissance as an actress. The well-received supporting roles she's done have included shows like Smilf, the new TV adaptation of A League of Their Own, and the L-word Generation Q. Rosie has made it clear she never intends to return to The View, um, but I don't necessarily trust Uh, her on that
1: one.
2: Yeah, we'll see. (laughs)
0: Never say never. In her personal life, the mother of five is happily now a grandmother. In less positive news, Rosie also went viral in February of 2022 for mistakenly thinking actress Priyanka Chopra was Deepak Chopra's daughter, which Priyanka is not. Whether she's inspiring us or making us cringe, Rosie could never be accused of being boring. True. Um, Importantly, Rosie remains an activist for progressive causes. In recent years, she has been especially passionate about reproductive rights. In 2017, she tweeted her idea that women should start their own political party if the Democrats decided not to exclusively back pro-choice candidates. In response to Texas's controversial six-week abortion ban, Rosie also tweeted, Texas, what the fuck? Before this country turns into a real version of The Handmaid's Tale, let's all get together and stop what's going on in Texas. So, Rosie, keep on fighting the good fight for reproductive rights. And now it's time for Hindsight is 2022, the segment where we discuss what we might have done differently if we were the subjects of today's episode. I shouldn't have done that.
2: So, Sadaf, What would you have done differently? Maybe this isn't even a change. Maybe this is just me getting excited about the future is if she keeps going down this lane of acting, taking on really juicy roles. That's what I want to see from my Rosie because Mm -hmm. she's a really fucking good actor and she should have an Oscar nomination, quite frankly, I'm not joking. Oh, I agree. Right? And I hope that that's in her future. I want her to have a renaissance moment because she deserves it. I don't know if the world is willing to give her that, but that's what I would like to say. And I would also like for her to see that in herself and go ahead and go for it. Just go all in and then also maybe do a new talk show with Tom Cruise and it's just the two of them and I'm the only viewer <laughs> and then, you know, we all ride off into the sunset. I would love that too. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Sarah thinks I'm crazy.
0: <laughs> no, I just, I love you. Like, I, you know, that just made me love you even more, even though I, <laughs> I hate Tom Cruise. I like, I love that you love him. That's
2: true <laughs> unconditional love. Thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. So if I had been, you know, Rosie, I'd. Definitely don't think I would have even gone on The View the first time. I think if you watch The View, it wasn't the show she wanted to do. And you can't just make a show your own if you have multiple co-hosts, right? And I think Rosie should have thought about that and realized she wasn't going to get away with it. You're dealing with so many egos here. You're dealing with something that's already a known quantity. They're not going to let you like completely re- rework it. And if you want to know more about the controversies that happened when she joined The View and the feuds and how everyone felt about it, all of her co-hosts, because they didn't have time to get into everybody here, like, you know, jo- Joy Behar has Opinions as well. Um, I really can't recommend Ladies Who Punch enough. Like, that is an excellent book. It's also incredibly entertaining. I learned so much. It's worth buying. Co signed. When you read that book, you'll realize Rosie really should just never have decided to be on The View, even the first time.
2: (laughs) She should have just gone into movies, like, just full pace ahead. Like, I Mm -hmm. think she would have had a totally different career. But anyway. Oh, yeah. 100% agree. (laughs) So before we wrap up today's episode,
0: we'd like to take a moment to encourage our listeners to donate to Planned Parenthood and other organizations that protect the reproductive rights of people with uteruses. Just like Rosie, we are proud advocates for reproductive rights and we will list our suggestions in
2: addition to Planned Parenthood in the show notes. Well, yes. Well, as always, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, if you want to hear more from me, you can find me on Twitter at underscore staff is on. So where can our listeners find you? Listeners can find me at at Sarah Sahagian. And as always,
0: we'd like to issue a heartfelt thank you to our wonderful producer, Joe. If you liked this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe so other listeners can find us too. Thanks for
1: listening.